What's good, what's good, what's good? Welcome everybody to the next episode of the Black Social Capital Podcast. I'm Dr. Theo, back with another episode. And of <laughs> course, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, I have to introduce you to the, the squad that we have here today. And this is just not any any squad. It's some of my favorite people in the world of academia because they're the, the current and the now. And uh, I, I would say, I believe the children of the future they are uh, making way for the next set of leaders as well. Um, and I'm not even going to do them justice by spitting their bios. I got a whole video for you. So if you're watching this, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. We're going to watch this quick intro video and have folks introduce themselves as well. Now we're going to be a little extra when we have the people on. So, uh, Dr. Dante, Dr. Sai, Dr. Sarah, thank you for being on the show today. Uh, excited to chat with you just a little bit. Um, and I think I just want to kick off the episode by uh, by sharing a little bit uh, about your stories. Tell us who you are. Uh, the bio doesn't do it justice. So tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, and, and then we'll, we'll get into the deep dive. So, uh, I'll, I'll say ladies first, Dr. Sarah, kick us off. Let us know who you are. I was going to go first anyways, but hello. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Dr. Sarah Tutant. I did my undergrad at University of San Francisco. I was really involved in student activism there and then led me to USB to do my master's in post-secondary administration and student affairs. After that, I did my PhD in urban education policy with an emphasis in higher education. And I left academia, and now I am a director of diversity, equity, and inclusion at one of the largest nonprofits, organizations, and agencies. It's a policy and advocacy agency in uh, California called CCRC Child Care Resource Center, where we serve over 50,000 families and children a month. So I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having me, and I look forward to talking more. Awesome. 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 Uh... Dr. Sher is dope, but you know who is also dope? Dr. Sai, kick us <laughs> off. Tell us who you are. Uh, let us know a little bit about you. Uh, Dr. Sai Stokes, uh, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And those, those intros are nice. Those are fancy. Yeah, it's trying to be a little uh, crispy. It's a little, little crispy. Um, let's see. Started at UCLA undergrad. Uh, that's where I met, uh, met Dante. And then went to get my, well, I worked for a couple of nonprofits before I went to get my master's at Penn at the University of Pennsylvania. So I went back home to Oakland for a little bit um, and worked there. And then uh, after the master's, I actually was supposed to stay at Penn uh, for my PhD, but I ended up moving to USC uh, along with Dr. Sean Harper and Dr. Charles Davis, um, who were running the USC, were now, or, you know, were running the USC Race and Equity Center. Um, and so that's where we kind of like transferred everything over from Penn to USC. Uh, and then I did my postdoc at the University of Michigan for a couple of years, taught there, uh, just left back in March um, and just decided to leave academia, just like Sarah. I mean, we, you know, we can get into that. 
Um, but now, I'm, <laughs> now I'm the uh, vice president uh, research at Coquall, which is a uh, global nonprofit um, think tank and advisory group. Um, but yeah, as they were saying, just got back from London, uh, uh, presenting some research on being black in the, in the United Kingdom uh, and just focusing on the corporate workplace for black people uh, and black professionals and, uh, you know, how they can, you know, hopefully combat race and ra uh, issues of race and racism in the workplace. So, yeah, thank you for having me. We're talk we tackling those wicked problems, those big, wicked. big, wicked problems. <laughs> uh, and, and, and Dr. Miller, round us on out. Man, Dr. Dante Miller. Um attended UCLA. I'm from Rialto, California, uh, straight from 909, was raised between there and LA. Um, graduated from UCLA in 2015, majored in sociology, did a whole lot of research with Cy um, and Dr. Tyrone Howard and the Black Male Institute, super active, Alpha Phi Alpha, y'all know what it is. Um, doing our thing there in undergrad and then um, went on to the other school Got a master's in higher ed counseling at the Rochester School of Education. Um, you know, still shut that campus down and then uh, left California, went to Bloomington, Indiana <laughs> to get a PhD uh, in higher education um, here at Indiana University and, you know, shut this campus down in a Neil Marshall Black Culture Center Hall of Fame, um, changing students' lives. Um, assistant director for the Hudson and Holland Scholars Program, which is a Black and Latinx uh, program. Currently, uh, executive director of student life at the University of Pacific in Stockton, California. So, you know, we still st shutting it down in the in the education system. You know, I ain't gonna leave yet, but you know, we are gonna continue impacting these lives, making this campus and making this world black, black, black. So. Moving close to the bay so you can be near his favorite team. Go oh, State my gosh. I'm actually, I'm, actually closer to, I'm actually closer to the Kings. Um, so like <laughs> 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 a gang all day, baby. You know, <laughs> Lakers and Rams, you know. Well, that, that, that's a whole other debate. But for today, we're going we're gonna to jump into uh, – you know, we, we rattled off all the degrees we, we got, right? We, we could we could stack up uh, the amount of papers that we done written uh, as a collective, lots of them, right? Um, and so the, the first question that I have for everybody here today is, uh, you know, in 2022, there's so many alternatives to the college degree. And so, you know, why did you decide to get a PhD? Was it in your mind frame from the jump? Uh, Talk about your 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 pathway a little bit, because um, if we looking on the screen, you know, ain't nobody here got wrinkles yet, right? And so, uh, you know, we made some big move decisions real early in the career, and I wanted to just really have us talk about uh, the alternatives to school, why you chose this pathway for yourself, um, and, and uh, we'll start off with that. So. Uh, Dr. Sai, I'm going to kick it off with you, because uh, I, I know you went viral back in the day share some of your experience uh coming up through through school and so uh yeah would love to hear your perspective there to start off yeah uh well i mean speaking of which i wouldn't be here without dr tyrone howard so that's where it all started howard, um, the he's, he's, he's just i mean to the amount of lives he's changed single-handedly uh is just i mean you you can't count it um 
I think he was actually the first person to tell me what a PhD was. Um, I didn't think it was really an option. Um, I didn't necessarily know exactly what it was and what it entailed. Um, but after he, after, you know, the Black Ruins came out and he was like, look, man, we need more people like you in the space uh, because in academia, there's just not these kind of voices. Um, and he pretty much told that to, to all of us as a part of the Black Male Institute, like every single week, he drilled that into us of, you know, this is the research side of things. This is what you can do. You can create things, you can generate knowledge um, and all of you are capable of doing it. And so to hear that constantly every single week to have a, a mentor like him, um, that was big for all of us and to, to seeing this as an actual possibility. Um, and then obviously the networking that came from there, just getting us connected with so many amazing scholars, um, it just kind of led us on this pathway. I think we could all agree we all kind of shared that. Um, but then on the other side of things, you know, I, we're also really, really young. Um, and I think when it comes to getting degrees, it's, uh, you know, you get really disrespected being young uh, in a lot of professional spaces, uh, especially in academia. They just do not take you seriously, uh, no matter what you do. You know, well, I did that 20 years ago. You don't know anything. You know, 20 years from now, maybe you can make those decisions or maybe you can give me your input. No one ever listens um, until you have doctor by your name. And that's the politics of it. Um, but it's also the reality of it. You kind of have to adjust accordingly. So, you know, the, the doctor by the name is awesome, but it's also, you know, it's it's access to to power. Um, and it's unfortunate that we need to do that to get respect that we deserve and to get the, you know, to be able to be integrated into these spaces. But, uh, you know, here we are, you know, trying to do what we can to, to make that change. So. And, and I'm about to you, uh, Dr. Miller. I know uh, I, I remember you coming into various offices on campus and debating where you're going to go, why are you going to go? Um, go going to Indiana, right? You you rep Rialto real tough, right? So you go into the Midwest where there's snow. Um, what was it about uh, the pathway of PhD that that um, that intrigued you, or or uh, made you feel like this was the 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 pathway that you wanted to take? Yeah, I think to echo all of the side sentiments in terms of Dr. Howard, but then. Uh, as I mentioned sort of in my intro, like just being a super involved leader on campus and, you know, a lot of these campuses nurture this sort of activist in you, um, especially being at UCLA or whatever, like we, 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 we in a lot of ways we had to be. And, um, and so people kind of hope shape and cultivate that for us. But then, but then being able to get more knowledge on some of the questions we had. And then also kind of inspire my family, like, yeah, you know, we, it was our first time hearing about a PhD, but my mom is still learning, like, you know, what does a dissertation mean and calling it a dissertation, as I said, in her, in her language and things of that sort. But, you know, I think it, it, it was the access to power, but it was also showing my family, like, this is possible, like, to learn more about what our people have gone through to go to Ghana. Um, and take a class with the University of Maryland. And that'd be my first time out the country uh, just to see blackness abroad, you know what I mean? So it was just like, I, I needed to leave California. Like I love my UCLA experience. I love my SUC experience, um, <laughs> but you know, I just, I just really needed to leave the university or leave California, take that next step, um, branch out, learn some more, build my network. I got a family out here um, in Bloomington. And so, 
and so now I, I understand that reality. I understand those nuances being in the red state, um, doing 45's entire era, you know what I mean? So like, it's just so much going on in the world that I have a different lens, a lens on. And now I'm just able to apply that into different arenas, whether that is in the academy or whether that's not. And so like, like Sai said, you know, folks might not listen to you, listen to me no matter what, like even with the PhD, right. They might not listen to me now because I got locks or they might not listen to me just period. Cause I'm a black man, but, um, you're going to respect me, especially with this, with this doctor that I spent five years and a whole lot of 200,000 worth of debt in. So, you know what I'm saying? We're going to push that to the side for a second. We're going to push that to the side. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Dr. Sarah, I'm going I'm to uh, round the conversation off with you with a, uh, with a, with a, an additional follow-up. So not only uh, why did you decide to, to go the PhD route, but also uh, you can start us into the conversation of why you chose to make an exit out of academia, right? And so yeah. what, what made you take the path and then uh, take the exit ramp as well? I think that the reason I took the path was kind of similar, um, but also different in a couple ways, but similar in the fact that I was really molded into this kind of like student activist at my undergraduate undergraduate institution at the University of San Francisco is a social justice um, Jesuit place. So social justice was like embedded in everything that we did. And um, I really started to kind of get my footing there and started to learn that you can get a master's. And I started to learn what a PhD was by my mentors. I'm a Delta, Delta Synthetic Sorority Incorporated. I know that's right. Mm -hmm. But one of my sorors got her PhD by the age of 26. And she was also one of my uh, professors. So she really, I think, mentored me and and definitely even helped me even get into PhD programs. I also thought that the representation of Black women in academia was scarce, and I wanted to be uh, I wanted to be that rep representation for for Black girls and Black women growing growing into these types of spaces that are already pretty toxic and not welcoming to Black folks, let alone Black women. When I got to academia, when I really entered it, right, because I had always been in higher ed and student affairs, but when I say academia, I mean that PhD research one institution at USC, working with a very well-known faculty member, having access to this network of scholars, right? I had a very big expectation of what I would receive. I didn't get any of that. Everything that I thought that I was going to experience, I experienced the opposite, quite negative. I mean, it had a severe um, impact on my mental health in terms of the lack of support that I was getting from faculty, the lack of knowledge and new things that I was learning. I felt that I learned the most from my peers. They should have been the ones getting paid to teach the classes, not the professors that I was learning from. because. Teaching and learning wasn't something that was valued in academia, particularly at a research one institution, the ways in which it was valued at other other places. Um, not to mention the experiences I had as a TA, as a black woman and things that came up. It just wasn't giving what I thought I was going to give. So I decided for my own mental health and for my own well-being that I was going to leave academia and I was going to get paid my worth and I was not going to be stressed out. And I was going to be able to learn 
all the things that I wanted to learn outside of academia in a space that would help me thrive. So now I get to do everything I was doing in academia, mentoring, workshops, teaching, public speaking, even research, but at a director level. And now I'm currently hiring uh, two people on my team. So I get to be a supervisor to, to two amazing people. So I'm glad I took that route. And that's a little bit more about my my reasoning for why I left. And I don't regret it. Hey, make, making the power moves, making the power moves. And so I think... Um, I think that leads me into the to the conversation and the question of um, what would be your advice to a current undergrad student and what would be your advice to a current graduate student, right? Two, two different levels. We'll start off with undergrad first because uh, I think we are all really well versed in, in navigating, navigating that space. But if you're an undergrad right now, coming out of uh coming out of you know being in online classes for the most part uh how would you say an undergrad students should take advantage of campus uh tap into resources those type of things uh we'll start with uh dr sai and work our way around to uh to the rest of the group as well so i just want to say i i give the worst advice uh to undergrad students so um i just my my whole experience in college slash uh like undergrad and grad school has just been like an anomaly um and i mean i guess anybody could say that really like no one has a normal there is no normal everybody got here way different circumstances you know whether it's through networks or through whatever right life differences um the the only thing that i can see is say is more a general approach to undergrad is just be open uh to any possibility uh, in terms of, you know, where you want your your life to go. Um, I think when people get so zoned in at 18, 19 years old, they just lose sight of what life is about. Um, and look, I'm saying that with a lot of privilege because a lot of people come into this space and they know they have to be breadwinners for the family to go into a business school because they know they got to run a business. They know I got to make money immediately. Um, I had the privilege of having like my parents own property right? That that in itself is a privilege of being able to go back home after I graduated college and have a house to go to. There's people in this world that don't have that, plenty of people. And so to be able to go back home and, and work for a little bit before I went back to school and not have to worry so much about, you know, paying, you know, $1,500 a month for a studio in LA, right? Like I could have, I went home because it would save some money. Um, and so I think for me, that privilege came in the form of exploring so many different majors, so many different possibilities, meeting new people, um, and also devoting a ton of time, probably too much, to the activism side. Uh, because, I mean, at the end of the day, I could care less about school because we were trying to tackle something much bigger than all of us. Um, and I think we, honestly, that set me up better than anything in academia uh, in terms of, you know, whether or not people even knew who I was, right? And, and you know, whether proving my worth, I guess, in this space to an extent. Uh, but then when it comes to the PhD route, I think Sarah and I had a very similar background where we kind of knew from the beginning that academia was like a question, um, but you're conditioned by faculty members all across the board, every class you take, every advisor, mentor you have to say, if you're not a professor, I can't help you. And and it's because that's the only route they took for the most part. And so everybody else, that's they went from PhD to become professors and that's all they know. And so when you tell them that there's an experience out there that you want to explore, it's like, well, I, I, I can't help you. 
Um, and I was lucky enough to have Dr. Charles Davis, um, who was a you know junior faculty at the time, and who was on the same grind as I was. You know, obviously I had Dr. Sean Harper, who was tenured, but at the end of the day, you know, my my trajectory wasn't aligned because he's already established, right? So it was helpful to have uh, a junior faculty as well, right? To have that kind of dual experience where one person is more established, you get that perspective. Then on the other end, you have a junior faculty member. You're going, you're trying to get these articles out. You're trying to you know, get, take advantage of all these grants and all these opportunities because he's doing it too. And I need it too. So we're kind of aligned in that. Um, but he also exposed me to the consulting side. And so any PhD student, if, if you have a, if you have an interest of leaving academia, use those years in those PhD years to do your own independent consulting. And you might have to do some of it for free in the beginning, but eventually you're going to get paid and you're going to be, you know, you can start your own LLC, do whatever you need to do, but people want to hear from you. People want to get that knowledge from you from way different fields. And you have, you just have no idea until you put yourself out there. Um, and so Dr. Charles Davis showed me that. He put me on. We, we were consultants together on various projects. And when I put that on my resume, these jobs could care less what was on my academic resume. They didn't care about my CV. They didn't care about my articles that I wrote. All they cared about was, oh, you were a consultant for three years? I was like, yeah. And all that's all the interview questions they asked. And that was all because of Dr. Charles Davis. And so he's just set me up for success because he knew I wanted to leave. And he was like, all right, man, well, let's get you out of here, uh, but let's do it the right way. So uh, with that, I guess I'll pass it to, to Sarah because I think you had a pretty similar background. We knew we were going to get out. So, Absolutely. I, As you were talking, I was like, yes, 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 because we definitely had quite similar experiences and I'm going to circle back to that but the advice I would give to undergrads is just to remember that nobody knows what they're doing nobody knows what they're doing even some of these adults don't really know what they're doing and and that's okay you don't have to have everything figured out even if you make a decision and a year later you decide you want to change that's okay but just like I think like Sai said be open to the possibilities and Take your time. I think we're always chasing the destination, but like, what are we chasing? What are we running to? Be present, be grounded, and trust yourself. As far as my advice for current grad students that are in PhD programs, I don't really give too much advice to folks that want to stay in academia because I don't think that's my lane anymore. But for folks that do want to leave academia, I completely agree with Sai. I was consulting and working and doing all these things throughout my PhD program. I put more energy into my work and to my practical experiences than I did my research experiences and my conferences because I very quickly learned that academia was not going to be a place that even wanted me to thrive and that also was not going to pay me my worth. So I made opportunities for myself I didn't necessarily have the support from anyone as I navigated the job market. I did it on my own. The best support that I had were actually my classmates from undergrad that had already been working. So uh, one of my, my friends, Kay Nelson, helped me quite a bit with my resume and really took my CV and was like, throw this away, nobody cares, and create a resume. And I was used to, you know, a 10 page thing, but I created a resume with a cute one and a half pages and really mastered the art of applying to jobs. 
Like, and that's another skill set I have now. Like I could go consult and help people get jobs now because I have figured out what these jobs want to see and those keywords. And I learned how to translate my experiences in academia. <laughs> I learned how to translate my experiences out of academia to corporate life. I did not pull myself up for my bootstraps. <laughs> what I'm saying is I trusted myself because unfortunately I didn't have somebody like Charles um, to kind of help me out. I, I did it on my own. And that's because the faculty that I was working with, they didn't know how to get out of academia because they were still in it. So I don't blame them or anything. I'm sure if they could have supported me, they would have. But I had to kind of figure it out on my own. And now I pass that gift on to other people. And for people that want to leave academia, they reach out to me and I support them the best way I know how because I didn't have someone like that. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's that's definitely my piece of advice. But I think Dr. Miller has a little bit more to say for advice for grad students because he's still in academia, no shade, um, and, and doing your thing. But I always I, I feel like higher ed makes sense for you, though. Yeah, but before 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 uh, Dante jumps in, though, I, I gotta say, like between you and Sai, I have to say, like the the social capital piece of your story is really important, right? In terms of having, uh, you know, someone that had has gone the path for you, or someone that didn't have that path, right? And I think that that's one of the reasons why we have this podcast in the first place is just so that people can have reference points right i don't know uh dr miller personally but i hear his story i don't know dr sarah right but i can uh pinpoint like oh i'm i'm in this moment right now and i'm trying to go and explore other pathways right and so i think i always want to reemphasize that point for folks um if you're watching like your 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 social network is really important in school and even outside of school it's even more important because no, you don't have the, the network as condensed as you might be when, when you're at college, right? You can turn to your left and turn to the, to the right and see people that want to network with you. So, uh, Dante, take, take it away. I know you have some, some comments as well. Nah, um, I, and, and, and I disagree with both of y'all, um, just in a sense. <laughs> not, not in a bad way, not in a bad way. Not in a bad way but I disagree in the way that y'all framed okay. it. I, I disagree in the way that y'all framed it because I think that I think that it's not necessarily doing it by yourself, but it's using is using the space that wasn't created for you to do it to do what you wanted to do, and to have that why. And so that's that's what I would say to undergrads is like to really cultivate and understand like what is your why, um, and 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 for graduate students too, because I think kind of like Sai was saying. You know, we come into we come in and want to do these uh, graduate programs and these PhDs and things um, because we were encouraged to, or because you know we changed majors or we became a social science major and didn't necessarily know what we was going to do. So we wanted to work for Res Life for a little bit, or we wanted to try this thing out because you know we were we were leaders on campus and it kind of worked, and that's cool. But I think in that we start to figure out your why because. I think what also happens is that a lot of us get into these master's programs, especially in student affairs or things of that sort, and we hate them because kind of like Sai said, or kind of like Sarah said, like these programs don't allow us to talk about stuff that we really want to talk about, or they're really not showing us how, how we want to do the, how we want really want to do the thing. And so 
but you talk to people that go out and get an NBA and kind of like Sarah mentioned worth, they got big, they making buku money to pretty much do the same work that we're doing in student affairs, both in student affairs. So inside and outside of the Academy. But I think the true passion behind that became that they really tapped into their why they used that time to really explore what it was that they wanted to do. And I, and I don't think, um, especially us as black and, um, uh, minoritized students, we, we really don't take that time to understand what it is that we really want to want to do. And I think kind of like Sai was talking about with privilege, sometimes that's the, that's the lack of privilege that we have, whether we are second generation and we need to go into those business programs or those law programs and take after our families and things of that sort, or whether you like me and you low income and you just like, yo, I just want to make some money or I just want to set this foundation for what my family is going to look like. But I think whether you about to be, you want to uh, learn more about activism, whether you want to take black studies courses, whether you want to interrogate black STEM issues, whether you want to challenge uh, why COVID-19 happened, uh, whether you want to, whatever you want to do, just really learn how to cultivate that why and have fun doing it, right? I think one of the one of the things that I felt like I missed out on, I missed out on a fun undergraduate experience, right? Like, I think my campus, we, we're not known for homecoming. So, you know, now coming in the Midwest, I'm like, yo, homecoming is lit. Like, if we had homecoming at UCLA, it might have been a whole different story. But we just didn't have that. You know, everybody in California pretty much goes to SC's homecoming or, you know, the homecomings in the Bay just work differently. But, you know, I think, again, overall, just really having fun, uh, whether you're in an undergrad or in grad school, tapping into your why. Um, and then not forgetting, not forgetting those people who really built you up or really shaped your experience, whether it was directly or indirectly, because uh, the job that I currently have right now, I didn't think that my my director was or my supervisor was watching. Like I hadn't really interacted with her for quite some time. But then she she offered me an opportunity that I in a lot of ways just couldn't pass up. And so, um, you know, I wasn't necessarily looking for a student affairs job. I was trying to get back to California, but, um, you know, life and, and keep your faith. That's the other thing. Come on, let's praise him. Um, but, but life and God will put, put you in those positions that, you know, you out here doing the work, you out here being an activist, you out here setting the groundwork as a student leader, um, whatever you're doing in your community, people are watching whether that's your family, whether that's the community behind you. And so as people are watching, make sure that you on your P's and your Q's, you dot you dotting those uh, I's and crossing those T's and just making sure that whatever you want that is for you is going to be for you, but you setting that foundation for you and your family to make it happen. All right. The, the, the doors of the church are now open. Um, so we're going to take, take a, a moment to pause for the cause. Go ahead and smash that like and subscribe button if you want to hear more folks like Dante. Uh, at the pulpit. <laughs> um, but we're going to wrap up the episode yeah, with, with this final question. Um, you know, at, at, and I'll add to this question a little bit. Um, but as, as young professionals, you know, what have you learned from your peers? And what are you looking for uh, in your mentors now? And uh, the last piece that I'll add to this is, do you see yourselves uh, as mentors in this current moment, how how are you feeling today? In in this moment, are you feeling like a mentor? Uh, but, but this is what I really want to talk about as we close out today, because I think that this is important to to wrap up with. 
Go ahead, uh, Dr. Miller. Go ahead and kick us back off. Do I want to be? Do, do I do I look at my peers? Do I do I grow with my peers? Like, look at them too. Like, and, and again, you know, just the time. I, I think that's the other thing that academia does do. Like, whether whether it's folks like Sai that you knew, you know, from undergrad, or folks like Sarah that you met it, or kind of knew in undergrad, but then kind of met met more in grad school and things of that sort. Building your network your network starts to grow and it starts to cling together. And, you know, they say that the higher you grow up, especially as, as black folk, um, the less, the less people like you that's out here doing it. But those people that are doing it, that small few numbers, you know them and you respect them and they, they push you. Right. And so me and Cy wrote a book chapter together. Me and Sarah have been on leadership teams and so many, so much more work together. Me and Theo have just, Converse in so many different spaces just about life. And so, you know, being in this space with y'all and just being able to reflect on these experiences is what I'm developing with my with my peer group, with my mentors, just to see like, oh, okay, I can talk to Sarah about this. Like, even though I already know how dope Sarah is, it's just dope just to hear like, oh yeah, I can reflect back on this with her and run this by her because she has this experience that I'm I just might not have. Or um, Sarah is hiring for somebody and I can, I can throw the lob to somebody like, look, I know somebody here, blah, blah, blah. And, and I think that's the power in the, in the network. And I, th- I think that's the power as a mentor that I, that I hold. I call myself the academic plug. Like I love plugging people. And I think that's really why I'm staying in the academy and I can't, and, and I'm still going to learn how to leave it or kind of do both and do this consulting, um, and things like that, that, you know, they have sort of name. But I'm the academic plug, and I love plugging people. I love sort of hearing people's stories, knowing what they want to do, um, impacting their lives, even if they want to join weird fraternities like Theo did. You know, just figuring out, <laughs> just figuring out like what it is that people really want to do, and making sure that I set that foundation, or we creating that space for them. And if if that space is not created, then we demanding that motherfucker. You know what I mean? And so. Um, I, I just appreciate the space that we're in right now and the networks and the friendships and the relationships that we've cultivated and how that's going to continue to transform folks' lives that look like us, whether we're talking about Richmond, whether we're talking about uh, La Habra, whether we're talking about Rialto, whether we're talking about Chicago, or wherever we're talking about, like, we like, yo, this is what this is what it is, and this is what it means to be black. This is what it means to be a woman. This is what it means, whatever it is, like, to shut shit down. And so we just doing it, and I'm excited to to be in space and community with folks and continue to impact lives. Mm. But you, 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 know, you know I'm going to just let that one slide, but I got the power of edit and mute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> better order. For the good of the order, I'm gonna be cordial. You know, I just provide platforms. That's all. Just hey, platforms. it's all love. It's all love. <laughs> um, but uh, Dr. Sarah, in, in terms of how you look at at your peers and, and mentors, and, and you stepping into spaces where you're leading and managing people, how are you going about about that and and dealing with those new new levels? I mean, I agree with so much of what Dr. Miller said. And even as we were, you and I were talking about your, the podcast and the opportunity to be on the podcast, and you gave me this task of identifying 
some of my peers that could, you know, talk, I instantly thought about the plethora of, of, of people I have in my network. And then I started to think, hold on, these two people in particular, I respect them highly for different reasons, but not only are they always super authentic, but I know that it doesn't matter if I've been talking to them in, in months, that if there was ever something that I needed professionally or network or in my network or, or what have you, I know that I could contact either one and get their advice on something or just talk aside and be like, hey, we made it out of academia. Hey, we really did it. I'm really proud of you. Me too. Or like <laughs> talk to Dante and say like, yo, like once you finish your PhD, your salary should be six figures and up, period. I don't want to hear anything else. Like being able to encourage each other, right? Like that is um, something that I definitely value. And that network I'm seeing, it's, it, it is so important, right? And I remember kind of like, in my in my graduate studies, I'd see these professors that have these networks and oh, I can just call blah 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 up at this university. And now I'm realizing, oh, I'm in that stage of my life now. Like that's crazy. As far as the mentors I have, I mean, my mentors have done a great job. They have been so supportive and incredible. But now I feel like they're there if I need them, but now I feel like I'm the mentor. Now I feel like I can give back and provide, you know, that support that, that they, they did with me. So I'm now thinking about how I'm going to create my team as this millennial PhD supervisor in the DEI space and thinking about the things that I needed from a mentor and, and how I can provide that. So I'm really excited to have this team of women of color um, doing this important work at this, you know, nationally recognized agency. This is exactly where I wanted to be, but I didn't know I wanted to be at at the time because I was a little scared and I wasn't sure if I, I was ready. But now I'm like, oh, absolutely. This is exactly where I'm supposed to be and everything worked out. And I appreciate Dr. Theo for giving me the push. Thank you. Shout out to you. Y'all don't get out the nest. So, <laughs> yeah. What did you say? I said, go and get out the nest. <laughs> yeah, I was scared. <laughs> and the last thing I will say is like, because I was having imposter syndrome, and I know there are some DEI professionals that say, well, imposter syndrome is rooted, rooted in whiteness. And I mean, arguably, yes, whatever. That's how I felt. And that's the best thing I could, <laughs> that's the best term I could use to explain how I felt. So I'm going to use it. That's how I felt. I didn't feel like I was ready. But I do think that I adopted some of those behaviors in academia because academia does kind of like make you think that you have to have things just a certain way. You have to have this many publications to get tenure. You have to have this and this and this. And I adopted those thoughts, right, and those and those processes. And now I've finally broken out of those things, and it's just so freeing. Got them freedom papers. That's what we like to hear. And, and uh, Dr. Sai, take us on home. Um, take take us home with. Not, not only what you think about uh, mentorship, and, and and I know you talked a little bit about that already, but um, but give us a tidbit of, of of what's next and how you want to shape your your spaces that you're in. Mm. Um, man, that's tough because I think when you get to this, when you leave academia, especially, well, first of all, are we allowed to cuss? Actually, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's so it's going on the on the on the U of tubes and also okay. on the 
Spotify with the little yeah. E. It could be explicit right there with the little E. Uh, trying to make sure I don't slip up for anything. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm like making. when it, <laughs> when it comes to academia, like they make you feel like shit. They make you feel like you haven't done anything in your life. Uh, they really don't give a fuck about you unless you help them in some way. Um, and it's 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 sad because even people who look like us, right, are become that. Um, and when they get access to whiteness, when they get access to power, they switch up on you um, and they kind of forget where they came from um, and what their true values are. And when you see that, it's discouraging, right? And it's something that I hope I never become. I hope that no matter what field I get into, I always, I always remember like why I'm doing this. And you know, if, if I'm ever finding myself with an opportunity where I feel like I'm sacrificing my values and morals, like I got to shut that shit down, even if it is way more money, even if it is, you know, taking care of my family, right? It's like, to what extent, where do you draw the line? Um, and you have to draw it somewhere. And I think for all of us, we've, we've, we've drawn that throughout our entire lives so far um, and taken big risks in challenging power. I mean, I don't think any of us are ever going to go away from that uh, in our own kind of respect. And so, um, you know, I think, I mean, there's a, there's a ton of, there's a ton of ways I can go about that question, but when it comes to academia, everybody has a PhD and you forget how special you are. Um, you forget how much of a big deal it is to get to this point in your life, especially when you remember your why, like Dante was saying, right? It's like my, my grandfather, one of the first black dentists in California to own his own practice. Huge, big deal in our family. Black excellence is huge in our family. But on my mother's side, immigrated here to, to Chinatown in Oakland, and that was my roots there. So it's like, I got to remember where she came, comes from and, and kind of that background. Both come from, from spaces that are way harder than where I came from. Um, and you kind of have to take advantage of, of what you've been provided. Um, but the reminder is the people in front of me right now, right? It's being able to hit up Dante. One of the biggest reasons I ever went to any conference every year was to see Dante, um, to, to just tell him Stay how ugly he is. Me. Just tell him <laughs> how ugly he is and, and tell his broke ass to just go ahead and, and shack up in my damn hotel room every time. Um, and just, you know, even if he was on the floor, whatever. But, you know, like, to be able to no, see, uh, it, so yeah, cool. just just to see uh, his broke ass in my hotel room every year was just great uh, because it kind of it's a community, right? That's where you go. I didn't, I really didn't care about the workshops and the sessions and whatever. Like I could care less. It was about being there for your community and be and people across the country, right? And you're like, that's the only time I get to see him, and so you're just gonna live it up and do what you can. Black and brown parties, right? Like it's it's the best because you get to be there. And let's not talk about that. Um, but then you have people like Sarah as well, where, you know, Sarah and I had a very similar trajectory where we graduated where our PhDs in three years. And I think it was to be able to kind of set that foundation, I think was important for me because I knew she was trying to achieve the same thing. Uh, and we were both having that same struggle of what that would look like in terms of support, uh, because it was never done before, or either from my knowledge at USC and for us to do it pretty much in back-to-back -back years, essentially, uh, was, I know it was huge for us to, to be able to look at each other and say, we did it. Um, but it took a ton of, of support both ways to be able to say like, yo, like we got this, don't worry. Like whatever they say, like, you know, we're not even going to be here. Like, it's that, like, it, it's, they did, they try to hold you down. They try to exploit your work and they know it's free labor for them, but you're like, fuck that. Like you've seen so many people get taken advantage of by their advisors and by the, by the entire institution. And you're like, you know what? I'm out. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do it for me. Um, and, and try to, you know, explore new, new paths that haven't been walked before. So, um, in terms of being a mentor and, and having those peers, these are my peers in front of you. Uh, and those mentors are still my mentors, right? Dr. Charles Davis is, is 
my brother for life. Um, and if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. Dr. Tyrone Howard, I still call him with updates because I, I feel like it's like talking to like like a proud father. You're just like, I want to make you proud, you know, because you're the you're the one who showed me this this PhD path. Um, so I think, yeah, no matter what, you have those people that you will always look up to and, and want to make proud. Um, and it's just it's always going to be bigger than you. So to be able to be in this, this space with them, um, I think if you were to tell us 10 years ago when we were, you know, more than 10 years ago when we were starting college, right, like that we would be here, um, I, none of us will believe it. So throw away those 10 year plans, throw away those five year plans. You don't know what the hell the world is going to throw at you. Um, so you might as well just be ready for anything. Uh, and because I think, yeah, none of us even know what's going to look like in 10 years from now. And I think it's going to be way different. So if you want to do a 10 year reunion on this podcast, uh, let us know. But I'm going to be right. a lot more fat. I'll probably have a couple of kids <laughs> or something, be out of shape. Um, so I might as well take advantage of just how amazing this looks. And just remember how ugly Dante will always be. So I'll end it with that. But and that, that's a perfect point to wrap, this, wrap up the show. I want to thank everybody for for joining us today. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and what I really want to say is that uh, you, you know this this space, this podcast, really is is based around the idea of staying motivated and rising together. Right? Uh, it, it's it's one thing to to talk to Sarah often and, and see how she's doing. But, uh, you know, internally, I, I was like, man, I really didn't get to connect with Cy while he was in his program. Like, he, he was there, and, and then he was not there. Like, he was in the books, and then he was doing his thing, right? Cy had to go, okay? <laughs> and, and that's the thing, right? Because he don't be in the black community. Like, Trying to right. some blackness without being in the community, boy. I'm I'm with my cats. That's all I need. I'm just at home. I don't I don't have any community. It's just me and my cats. It, it, exactly right. And so part part of me today, I, I was excited just to to ping back in with y'all and connect and, and, and share that I, I was excited about all the things that you all are doing. Uh, hopefully that this uh, this brief time that we spent together will be beneficial for for your space. We can grab some snippets here and there. You know, as you share uh, all the nuggets that were dropped today, you know, so uh, I think with that, uh, I'm gonna call it a wrap. We're gonna do a little outro, but we'll see you on the next one. Peace. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Remember, the way we build social capital is to build self and build others. Be sure you got some notes on your tablet, computer, or even using a pen and paper. Leave us a review. Continue the conversation on social media at Black Social Cap and share the show with someone you know. Until the next episode, stay motivated, rise together.